Jeff, on a scale of one to 10, how much more enjoyable will this show be for our listeners than watching the absolute cluster of a debate last night? Man, I watched every minute of that debate, and I don't know what was worse. Like, Biden was awful. Trump was awful. Chris Wallace wasn't great. Like, the whole thing was a nightmare. And the only, I, I think I tweeted it, but the only thing I could think of to compare it to was those two super angry Muppet dudes, like the old guys who sit in the stands and just laugh at everybody. Oh, yeah. Like I never would have, yeah, yeah, yeah. I never would have thought that eventually one of those two Muppets would become the leader of the free world. But after watching that debate last night, it's very clear that we're going to have a Muppet for president. The, I think I saw a couple memes. This kind of segues into our Hellion of the Week is all of the people making memes about the debate and the presidential election to help us cope with the fact that out of the 350-some-odd million people in America, these are the two people we could come up with. And after looking at that, it's like, you know, these people making these memes, it's just, you know, bringing some brevity to the situation. We talked about, I think the, the two favorite ones I saw was the one, it was like the debate and it was the scene from Dumb and Dumber when they're singing, um, or when he's like, I want to hear the most annoying sound in the world. And then they're talking about like triple stamping a double stamp or whatever, when they're driving in the car in Dumb and Dumber, that's basically what the debate was. Or someone took a screenshot of it and it was like, if 2020 was a presidential election and it was just a picture of them two on the debate stage, but it, it was that, bad. That was something else. I mean, we're not going to get into politics. I don't care. Like vote for whoever you want. Just please vote for somebody. But man, like that just doesn't make you feel good watching that debate, right? Like you just don't get warm fuzzies at the end of it, no matter who you support, whether it's one of those two or none of those two, uh, or if somehow you kind of like both of them at the end of that, I just, man, like it was just bad. I did see that they've agreed, like the campaigns have agreed that uh, going forward in all future debates, they will have the ability to mute the mic when it's not your turn. So I guess that's a positive that came out of this is we're going to be able to mute whoever is talking. I want to know who the guy will be. Who is going to be the person who mutes the president of the United States? That's a very important job. That's like, it's like being the shot clock operator at an NBA arena. Yeah. Like you're behind the scenes, but it's very important. Nobody knows who you are. And I just can't imagine like, it, it, it's like being a jury, like a member of the jury on some like crazy serial killer case or something like OJ Simpson, right? Like that's something that you are going to be able to talk about forever. You were the guy who, or the girl, I mean, it's 2020 or the non-binary, I, I better be careful. But you're the person who muted the president of the United States. Like that's crazy. That's cool. You know, I don't know. I think, I think that's cool. We all actually I mean, I have his Twitter account muted. So we can <laughs> all personally we can take that step in our own lives. That's true. And mute it. That is true. So no, it was a disaster. Uh, the debate was just an absolute mess. I agree with you that the uh, the people who are making memes about the debate, they deserve some love. I spend a lot of time on TikTok these days. I've never created a TikTok, but I watch a lot of TikToks. And I'll tell you what, political TikTok 
is hilarious. So unlike every, I mean, every, every social media platform has an algorithm, right? That they try to feed up what they think you will enjoy based on your activity. But TikToks is unlike everybody else's. Like it, it feels uber sensitive that if you watch one Trump video or one Biden video all the way to the end, or you accidentally like it, then your feed is just going to be inundated with Trump stuff. And it's, it's more sensitive than, you know, Twitter or anything else. So all you've got to do is just stumble upon one debate TikTok video, accidentally like it, and then you're, you're in just this rabbit hole of political comedy. And it's, it's something I've enjoyed over the course of the last 24 hours. Well, you sent me a couple links, so thank you for yeah. sharing the wealth of knowledge. Um, we do have some news that we want to well, I guess it's not news. It's been talked about for the last week or so since the Mountain West decided that the science said they could come back. Um, and they, that, you know, it was initially when they said they were coming back, basically because the Mountain West does anything that Boise State tells them to, mm-hmm. they said that they were going to leave open the possibility for like Air Force to maybe play nine games instead of eight. So that way they could play both Navy and Army and then Boise State would also be able to play BYU. Instead of playing an eight-game slate, they're going to play seven games in BYU because that game is supposed to be in Boise, so it's under the Mountain West TV contract. The TV numbers are down this year, and their contract has a lot of ratings-based kickers for getting extra incentives, so it's in the best interest of the conference for them financially to get that money coming in. And we can confidently say that that game – is going to happen sometime yeah. in the month of November. Likely, I would I would expect that that game is announced when the Mountain West Conference releases their schedule. Like, right. you, you don't. Okay, so Craig Thompson talked about it uh, that that was a possibility, right? He talked about that with the media, and then Tom Homo has recently like opened up about yeah, that's a possibility. We're having some discussions. Okay, UCF has been discussed for the last two and a half months. You've never heard Tom Homo mention UCF by name. Right. He talks about other teams, other conferences, but he never mentions anybody specifically. Um, I think we can all read between the lines. Like we know what's happening. November 6th, November 7th, maybe it's, maybe it's a Friday night game. Maybe it ends up being kicked to Saturday, but you can go ahead and, and just bank on BYU and Boise state playing this year, which is great. That's a, a boon for both programs. Um, it's an opportunity for BYU who, you know, is probably going to be undefeated. I would hope that they're undefeated at that point in the year, still nationally ranked, probably still hovering in the low teens or twenties because you know, their schedule, unless they go out and they win a hundred to nothing every week, they're not going to move too high in the rankings, but that will be a game that is a, if you go out and dump truck Boise and Boise, that's, you get respect nationally, no matter, no matter who you are. So. Uh, it's a great, a great potential game, I guess, is what we still have to call it right now. Uh, I wonder if so, Utah State also will have that. Somebody game. asked me that this week, and maybe, but Utah State. I could see won. that happening if they flip things, similar thing to flip it and say, okay, we will come to Logan two years in a row. Because that would, in terms of Utah State could maybe argue of like, hey, this, you know, we can get better ratings like similar to the ratings thing if it's like we can bring more money into the conference and it will save us money if we can add an extra home game against BYU it will save us money uh, instead of having to 
well, they only charter one flight a year out of Logan still, right? And then I think they have to they fly commercial for the rest of their games. Uh-huh, I don't know if that's right. still the case. Um, but it's, you know, if they say, like, instead of having to charter a flight, whatever, it will save us half a million dollars and plus get, you know, more money coming in, then I could see the league making that exception for them. I don't, I don't know if um... – I don't know if BYU. I mean, BYU brings eyeballs, but even with even with a game against Utah State, I would. I, I just don't know that there's enough Utah State fans. That's true. That, and all the Utah State fans watch BYU games anyway. So well, true. We're, we're about packed and, on that one. And so I just don't see that being like. In, it can't be BYU Utah State compared to Utah State Colorado State, right? Like it has to be compared to okay, who can we? Who else could we flex? Air Force to that will bring TV ratings. Right. BYU and Boise State, yes, that absolutely does. Maybe Utah State, BYU, but I think that they could probably say, hey, let's try to figure out a San Diego State UCF game. That's going to bring more eyeballs than BYU right. Utah State. Right. And I think they should have, I mean, they should leave open the possibility. And maybe that's why they haven't announced a schedule yet is, I mean, because they already had an eight game conference schedule figured out. So it shouldn't be that complicated to say here's your eight opponents that you had in order now instead of these weeks it's these weeks but Mm -hmm. they're still waiting on it so maybe they're trying to figure out something to get some other like to do a seven plus one instead of eight and find one person for everybody if you know boise and air force the you know if the other schools are mad that's like hey you let two people play a non-conference we want a shot trying to figure something else out too um Um, while i'm looking and i this is this is totally random, but I'm trying to look up these TV ratings for like BYU Utah State over the course of the last few years, and upon my Google search, I have come across fan-insider.com. Okay, and I don't know who Justin Giles is. Justin, if you're listening, welcome to Give Him Hell Brigham. But apparently there is a new. I don't know. Maybe it's not new. Maybe it's been around for a while. But another BYU blog. Oh yeah, this fan. is like. Oh no! This is like. Oh, but there's there's not. Yeah. Well, those are all old. Because yeah, the college football is all BYU or Utah. The NBA is all Jazz. I don't. I've never. I've never heard of Justin Giles. I've never heard of Fan Dash Insider. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's. A lot of BYU coverage. It looks like it's pretty generic stuff. Um, opponent tracker, you know, key matchups, betting lines. I mean, stuff that you're going to find everywhere. But, hey, you know, another place. I, I guess I want to read one of these articles. Like, are these like... Oh, they this got, is, looks like they have six writers. Like, this is... Hmm. Yeah, I've never seen this. Anyway. So, sorry, did they have something about the Utah State ratings? From uh, no, they did not. They uh. they had like an aggregated average rating for BYU throughout the course of a year, but I don't care about that. I want to see that one game specific, yeah. so that didn't help mm-hmm. me at all. Hey, well, but I stumbled upon this, thought it was interesting. So, hey, everybody, Fan Dash Insider, if you somehow feel like you don't get enough BYU information at Cougar Sports Insider, you could go to Fan Dash Insider and try to find more stuff. It looks a little bit like... Uh, I feel like Justin Giles might be listening to this show. They're a national site that 80% of their coverage is about BYU. 
Yeah, and well, and I'm just kind of looking, reading through some of the different things, different players to watch from other opponents. Like there wasn't, there wasn't a single outlet that was talking about Khalil McLean for Troy, except for us. Like mm-hmm. including Troy's own outlets, nobody was talking about Khalil McLean. And here we are. So, Justin, if you're listening, welcome. I'm not upset. I don't care. All BYU coverage is great. But um, it, it feels feels like there's some similarities here. Okay. You know, hopefully they're doing good things. But, yeah, so we can plan on that Boise State game happening. I think we will see at least one AAC game happen. It's, they're running out of – they're already pushing games. They've bumped their conference championship game from the 5th of December to at least the 12th because they have to reschedule the Memphis-Houston game. Um, so – the one weekend that Memphis had in November, they've already reslotted Stephen F. Austin. So that was a week that we potentially could have played Memphis. So I think Memphis is likely out. But I think we could also see, you know, similar to what we talked about last week with what UMass is doing of a just pushing games over and, you know, a week having it be like a week before kind of thing of or a week of like on a Monday, we find out, hey, we're going to play them on Saturday kind of thing but I think we get at least one AAC game against a kind of a higher end thing if there's a late cancellation Um, but there still is um, you know we could still play UCF now that there's that extra week in the season that they have moved their conference championship game we could add Boise on the original date of November 7th and then flex out the UCF game was originally kind of the date we had heard was that November 7th where we both had a thing where we could be both looking at that December 5th date for a UCF matchup yeah, and there's a lot of options there. And maybe UCF, you know, goes the way of the Dodo and it just it doesn't happen. Uh, there's still potential games there. I, I, I can't envision a scenario where BYU doesn't end up playing at least 10 games this year. Yeah, maybe, so, that's, maybe that's Boise and they figure out a way to reschedule Army somehow, right? I mean, maybe that's the answer. I don't know. Yeah. But I, I, I just don't see I, – I, I, I feel very, very confident uh, that Boise State will be on the schedule for that first week in November, and there's going to be a tenth game. I don't yeah. know who it is, but there's going to be a tenth game. If we can, get... what's crazy about Ooh. that game is that November sixth is that going to be? That's the Pac-12's opening weekend, right? November sixth, I believe so. Because they were shooting for Halloween, it didn't happen, so it's going to be that next week. So BYU could potentially be playing Boise State in like their fifth or sixth game. And that is when the Pac-12 will just be kicking off their season. And somehow we're supposed to buy into the national top 25 rankings. Yep. National rankings are a joke this year. No, except for everybody complains. (laughs) Everybody complains about preseason rankings. I know where you're headed and I'll, I'll, I'll filibuster until you get there. Uh, everybody complains about about uh, national preseason rankings that they're stupid because you don't know who the teams are, you don't know who's good, who's not. Uh, we have preseason rankings for the next six weeks, seven weeks until the Pac-12 gets a, a game or two under their belts. I think that including the teams that have not played in the top 25 right now, that's not to say they should be discluded forever, but to include them in September's release when they don't start until November, it's psychotic. Like it just does not add up. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's just a mess. And it's cause it's, 
I get not including them, but also it's like as soon as Ohio State says they're going to play, that's a top five team. So sure. it's, yep. you know, it's – and really when you're talking about a four-team playoff, anyone outside of the top ten in terms of that preseason ranking doesn't really matter because, it, you know, they're going to – especially too with the conferences, like, you know, if you're in the Big Ten, if you're Indiana is suddenly really good this year, it means that they're going to have beat Wisconsin, Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State in a season. Mm-hmm. Like – they're going to shoot up because they're going to have that chance, right? Like it's, if you're a P5 team, it doesn't matter where you start. If you're a G5, it's like your UCF, whatever. It's like you need that preseason momentum to inch your way up because you won't have as many games to knock down huge programs. Like we saw that last year with Baylor and Minnesota where they started out unranked. Suddenly they find themselves 7-0, 8-0. They have to take down a couple big guys to get there. And so right. it's, I get it. I think it's, I think we could maybe see a Pac-12 team actually going back to our scheduling thing because they left themselves no breaks. There's no room for error in their schedule. So I could see, especially if BYU is a ranked team and the Pac-12 is trying to scratch and claw their way into, you know, the CFP picture, I could see them, you know, if it's like comes out on Monday, like, hey, you know, Arizona is supposed to play Cal. Cal had a few positive tests. BYU says, okay, we can get on a flight. We'll be in Tucson on Saturday. What time do you want us there? You know, I could see something like that maybe happening. I would love it if it was Oregon, right? Oregon trying to boost their playoff resume. In my, in my dreams, it's Oregon. They have a cancellation. They need to boost their playoff resume. There's a, you know, number 16 undefeated BYU team sitting there in November. Oregon calls. They work out a game. And then BYU spoils the Pac-12s hopes of a a playoff bid by beating Oregon in Oregon and that's we talked about this a couple weeks ago like after the Navy game where like style points are going to matter this season right like it's you know style points matter because of our strength of schedule but if you're just absolutely dominating everyone teams will notice that like you can't Mm -hmm. let the like you can't let your foot off the gas until it's the last possession of the game where you can run off the clock like that's not an option like we need to be going for the 50 burger every single game and every game if you do that and we may still be around, you know, 15th, but then go into Autzen and it's like, oh, BYU came out of nowhere and be Oregon, you know, by 20 points, then that next week we would see a huge jump because it's like, okay, yes, they played a week schedule, but they have that validation data point, right? Like it's mm-hmm. Boise State in all of their years, they it didn't matter that they played a really weak schedule in the WAC because week one or two, they took out a Virginia Tech or a Florida State or whatever kind of team, and they made their statement early on and then rolled, not just – they didn't squeak by, they rolled through everybody else. And so yep. that's what we have to do is keep the style points coming in every other game and then find a way to get one more – like get Bo- if you get Boise State and Oregon on the schedule and beat both of them, then it's like, okay, this is a legitimate team. Doesn't The rest of the schedule doesn't matter because they beat them by 40 points. Like we're confident in saying that if you beat – like. Navy 55 to three and Troy 48 to seven and Louisiana tech 49 to five. I don't know. There'll be a safety. Um, but the, like, you know, if you're winning those games like that, it's like, okay, we could concede that had you played Purdue, you would beat Purdue 35 to 21 kind of thing. Right. Like, right. Yep. Like you can, you need those validations. But unless you're looking at the ranking that I know you have pulled up right now, the Laz index, lazindex.com is our ranking of the week. I don't know who this person is, but they... They're geniuses. I know that. I don't need to know who they are. Okay, they live in Florida. They have complete rankings 
of every high school football program in Florida, all 500 and oh, wow. 61 programs. That's if impressive, you, really. If you go to college football, they have their main ranking is 758 teams. And so that includes wow. FBS, FCS, Division Two, Division Three, and NAIA. They have I commend them all of them in one big ranking going down. And then there's a couple they have D three disconnected, and it's ten teams that are all in some other conference. So I don't know what the New England Small School Conference is, but apparently that's a thing. They must not play anybody else but themselves, so there's no way to do it. But anyway, in this lastindex.com ranking out of 758 teams, BYU is number one, Ohio State is number two, Bama is number three, Notre Dame is four, and Georgia is five. I think Suck it, Clemson. Clemson is eight in this one. Oh, yeah, well, So seems, we got the rest of the top fair. ten. So BYU, Ohio State, Bama, Notre Dame, Georgia, Miami, Auburn, Clemson, Wisconsin, Penn State. I, you know, when I think of BYU football – those are the other nine teams that I usually think of too. Yes. It's, you know, it's not, you can talk about the Harvard of the West. No, it's, we are the Alabama of yeah. the mountain West. Yeah. If it takes Laz from Florida to help bring that to light, then we need to build Laz from Florida, a statue. Look, our, our platform's not huge. We're growing. Uh, we, we are growing each week. This last week, we had a great episode because there are Troy fans, which, a little shocking, but there are Troy fans that somehow found us and they listened to the podcast, boosted our numbers. So I know that we have a platform. And I'll be damned if we're not going to bring Laz from Florida the most publicity that he has ever had in his rankings career this week. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he is on, or she, I don't know who does it, is on the Massey Composite. So, which it looks like there's a lot, usually on the Massey Composite, there's like 65, 70 ranking systems on there. Um, there's only uh, there's only 34 right now. So a lot of people just aren't even messing with anything because of the season. They're like, ah, I'm not even going to try. But Laz out there, he's trying. They're trying and they're putting us number one. So they're, they're so our ranking system. Give them a a give them a boost, right? Laz Index. We'll we'll link the show in the show notes. We will, um, you know, tweet out a link to this as well. But click the link. You know, give this guy some page views. Hang out on the website, even if you're not gonna look for a minute, right? Hang out. Just scroll. Let you know Google's algorithms and all of their data trackers make it look like you're reading this site, so that Laz from Florida can feel feel the boost that we're that we're trying to provide this week and he's got byu number one and he's got byu number one by 0.009 which doesn't seem huge but it's a it's a fairly substantial gap when i just look at whatever these ratings mean in his rating system byu is at 1.371 compared to say clemson that's 1.27 seven that's almost a full tenth of a like a full tenth of a point better than clemson and i don't know what that means but i like it yeah and so know, we're seeing some other it's not just you know it's not just them so there's a couple other ones like the feeling power rankings have us at number three the 
Um, let's see here. Well, hold on. Before we move away from lads from Florida, I want to, I want to just shed some light on some other. I accidentally clicked a button. I, I, I'm sorting now by schedule strength. Oh. And BYU is ranked low, like below Texas State and Eastern Kentucky low on, on, on the strength of schedule ranking with a 1.052 number. Uh, the the best right now is Missouri at 1.344. So a fairly substantial margin there. And BYU, even despite that, even despite the fact that they are sandwiched between Texas State and Stephen F. Austin, they still come out number one at the end of the rest of the ratings. That tells you how much or how highly Laz from Florida thinks of everything that we have seen BYU do on the field. Well, we've I mean, got to figure out who Laz from Florida is and bring them onto the show somehow. I, I need to talk to this person. Dude, I'm going to see if we can track him down for an interview. But I can yeah. tell you exactly what it is. It's We are dominating teams. The two games we played, complete domination across the board. The majority of the games have been what in a computer poll system you would consider garbage time where the game is so out of hand that – you say the opposing coach is not going to, and either coach is going to act rationally or what you consider rational or according to game plan, you know, in terms of their play selection or whatever, because it's so out of hand. So you just throw it all out that most of our games have been garbage time. We have three penalties through two games, which that is the biggest thing to me that shows that this team has turned a corner and is not playing sloppy and is not playing down to the competition, whatever. And, you know, you see that and you say, this is a good team doesn't matter that they haven't played very many people. They're a good team. Uh-huh. Not number one, number one in our hearts, but this last index, whatever that system values for their ranking, BYU's got it. Yeah. Well, I like it. I like Laz from Florida. And I am clicking over everything that I can click on on this website. And there is not a name in sight. Maybe it's so, Satoshi, the guy that made Bitcoin. He's secretly... Nobody knows who that person is. A secret Florida high school football fan. Nobody knows who Satoshi is, so it could be. Oh, here's fun. The terms of use, just, you know, if we want to publish the LAS index, it just redirects to the homepage. Mm. So they're real serious about their privacy policy and their terms of use. So, okay, we've got some work to do with LAS from Florida, but give them a shout because LAS from Florida – uh, what a spectacular rating system. Uh, I, I, I know that I'm a believer. It's always been number one in my heart, and it absolutely is this year. So, uh, where, is, where is Mike Leach on this LAS index after that dominating performance? Him personally? Because he's uh, definitely number one, but they are number 17. Number 17, Mississippi State. Did you watch any of that game? You were uh, gallivanting around the country still. No, I did not watch that game. That was going on at the same time. Oh, I watched the first like five minutes of it, but then I was that's when I was at the TCU Iowa State game. This is let's see, we have now done a show and you have been in three different time zones for our last three shows. Mm-hmm. So I mean that's yep. something. Eastern, Central, and now Mountain. Yeah. So traveling across the country, you missed Mississippi State, Mike Leach, BYU. Uh, proud BYU alumni, meet Matt Blitt, Mike Leach, uh, took down the champs, took down Ed O and LSU. 
what an awesome game that was to see KJ Costello. And this is the beauty of Mike Leach. KJ Costello, uh, the tra- uh, graduate transfer from Stanford. He was at Stanford and he was fine. He, I mean, he wasn't spectacular, but he was fine. Highly rated recruit, um, got to Stanford, was expected to, you know, light the world on fire, but it just never happened. He transfers a little bit surprisingly. I don't know if people expected him to transfer, but he transfers. And when he, excuse me, when he transfers, he gets to Mississippi State and the first game in a year that he did not have practice in the air raid. I mean, you think about the air raid, what makes the air raid so hard to defend is those, the, 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 I guess the coverages, the reads that a quarterback is making are so different than, than anything else. They're throwing to a patch of grass. They're not even reading the defense, especially Mike Leach. Mike Leach does not believe in coverages. Mm-hmm. And so that's what's happening. So that takes a ton of repetition and execution and repetition and execution and repetition and execution. KJ Costello didn't get to have spring ball because of COVID. They had a funny uh, fall camp in the SEC that it started and then it was delayed and then it started again. KJ Costello, uh, under Mike Leach's tutelage, comes out at his first game. He went full Gardner Minshew. Uh, I mean, even beyond Gardner Minshew, right? Throws for 623 yards, sets a whole bunch of SEC records on day one in route to upsetting the defending national champs. That, that's it, incredible. Like, let's build Mike Leach a banner and hang it at Lavelle Edwards Stadium just because of that, like to, to kind of illustrate how impressive that is, KJ Costello, wow, he was better as a sophomore than I gave him credit for at Stanford. He had several 300-yard passing games. Yeah, he was pretty good, and then he kind of dipped a little bit. Yeah, he kind of trailed off, um, but he never was throwing 60 times in a game, right? He was no, never throwing it- for 620 yards. It, it's interesting, too, that like all summer's like, oh, the air raid is not going to work against the SEC. It's not going to work against the SEC. It's because, like, the, the people, it's almost like they forgot that Mike Leach's big thing, like his break after they were at Iowa Wesleyan University, mm-hmm. was somehow propelling Tim Couch from little old Kentucky to be the number one overall pick. Like, right. air raid worked in the SEC, right? Like, that, the air raid was born in the SEC you know, when it came to big time ball and there, which the, my favorite story, well, no, I guess that was when he was at Oklahoma um, was that they were playing Texas and he was at Oklahoma and his, he tricked Oklahoma into, or tricked the, whoever they're playing into believing like what they were going to run because when he, he took a fake play call sheet and dropped it on the field walking across and hoping someone on the other team would pick it up and be like, dude, we got their game plan. We have their script for their first 15 plays of the game, whatever, and had something completely different. So he started calling down the thing of like, okay, they think I'm running this. I'm going to run this, and that will set them up perfectly against it. And they jumped out to like a 21 nothing lead in the first five minutes of the game doing that. Oh, that's funny. That's spectacular. I love Mike Leach. I think I love Mike Leach in small doses. You know, if I if Mike Leach was actually the head coach of my team, I think he'd annoy the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. I look at like that that game at Washington Washington State. Who was it? UCLA last year. That uh, UCLA was down by like 
30 in the fourth quarter and Mike Leach would not run the ball. And then after the game, he was like, well, we don't run the ball. <laughs> and he was almost annoyed. He was annoyed. He was annoyed that the reporter would ask him questions about why he wouldn't change his philosophy. I think if I had to cheer for Mike Leach as the head coach of my favorite team on a weekly basis, I think I'd go nuts. But cheering for Mike Leach from afar, like I don't care if Mississippi State wins or loses. I don't care if Washington State wins or loses. It's, it's fun to follow Mike Leach. But if he was the coach of my team, I think he'd drive me insane. The, speaking of coach of your teams, how, who would you say is like your closet favorite team? If you had you know, the team that you kind of always root for, maybe you don't actively follow like the way I would say that like, you know, I actively follow the Charlotte 49ers and USC you know, as like teams that I legitimately cheer for. Mm-hmm. Who would you say is like your sneaky closet team where it's like, you know, you don't actively follow, but if they're on, you're going to flip that channel to them. And you might um, remember, you know, one or two guys on the roster of you say that guy's a dude, right? Yeah. I think it's probably, I don't know, uh, with the parameters that you describe, uh, my gut says Texas, but I think I, I follow Texas a little bit more closely than what you just described. Uh, so I'd probably have to say Iowa. Uh, I made it very public on Twitter that I love Iowa, and it's born solely in the fact that they have the Children's Hospital wave, which I think is the coolest thing in sports. And when that happened, I decided I was an Iowa fan. Uh, funny story about Iowa. We talked about – this is back-to-back weeks. We're talking about Doug Hanstrom, but here we are again talking about Doug Hanstrom. Uh, he lived in Iowa, and he got me hooked on Iowa football uh, when I said I was looking for a, you know, a team, like a, an adjacent team that I can cheer for on the side. And I mentioned Iowa because I kind of like their uniforms. I think a Hawkeye is a cool, a cool mascot. And then this wave thing came up. And Doug saw this on Twitter, and he latched on. He has sent me some Iowa – I think he sent me an Iowa flag. He's sent me loads of information about what I should cheer for with Iowa. Every year I get a preseason report from Doug about what to expect from Iowa, who the players to watch. Noah Fant is on my fantasy team this year, tight end for the Denver Broncos because of Doug Henstrom and the scouting report I got from Doug about Noah Fant when he played at Iowa. So I think it's probably Iowa that I don't know much about them at all, but because of Doug, I know more than I probably should. Okay. I could, I could dig Iowa. I think they're kind of like Utah of the big 10. Like they're never good enough to win anything real, but they're good enough to make you feel like they can win things that are real every now and then. So just enough to keep you, keep your hope alive. And Kirk Ferentz has been there forever. The same way Whittingham has been in Utah. Right. Forever. Same way. I mean, and also, uh, are we allowed to say this? Am I allowed to say that they both had off-season scandals that alleged racism was in the program? Like, there's a lot of similarities between Utah yes, and Yes, well, actually, they are tied because the guy who left Iowa, his previous job was as the strength coach at Utah, actually. Is that real? Yes. Oh, Kirk Ferentz hired him away from Utah when he got hired. Oh, my word. Well, I was talking about the Morgan Scally thing, but you just brought it into, like, Well, I no, it's factual. both. It is both, but it's, yeah. you know, it is – that is tied back too. So, Did, have we talked about that? I'm so glad that they kept Morgan Scally on staff. Cancel culture is ridiculous, and Morgan Scally is a good person. So I'm glad that he stayed on staff. But it was 
uh, a little uncharacteristic to see that out of a Utah program. I, I wasn't as surprised seeing it in Iowa. Not yeah. because I think Iowa is racist, but I just don't feel like Kirk Ferentz has the same kind of Kyle Whittingham level control over his program. It was surprising for me to see it at Utah. Yeah, I was, I agree. It was, I, that was probably the stupidest thing Morgan Scally's ever done in his life. Yep. And he used his one stupid thing card as an adult. Yeah. Like he, he used his one stupid thing card and he doesn't get to do anything close to that again. Um, I don't, I don't know if my like secret team because it's or my, like my closet team because it's like you know like I would say like I passively go for Arizona like my brother went to Arizona my in laws all went to Arizona like I passively go for the Wildcats whatever I I don't know like I would say my like even I don't know if I could call it a closet team because a couple of years ago you and I both we went through and we picked a team at every conference and said this oh, is my yeah. favorite team right. Uh, so maybe I would say the Ohio Bobcats because you and I both talked about that's our Mac team that we're rolling. Yeah, with. it is. It's because of the Kelly green uniforms. That is the, the most underutilized color in all of sports is that yes. Kelly green. And it's, it's awesome. So maybe I'd say Ohio because if the Mac is on, it's like, hey, whatever, it's Tuesday night and I have nothing else to do. I'm sure as hell not going to watch the debate. My <laughs> give me some action. And, you know, if Ohio is playing with their Nathan O'Rourke, who is legitimately a good quarterback, and you know the bobcats are playing you know i may go dig my ohio state bobcat shirt or not ohio state ohio bobcat shirt out of the closet throw that sucker on and be ready to ready to watch the game i think you know it's i would say that was my closet one my other one i would say would be maybe be tulsa um just because tulsa always has great uniforms obscure teams though like you mentioned ohio state if I went to closet, the horseshoe. It's got to be yeah, way you're right. There, right? Like, no, you're I'm, very I'm right. digging through the closet. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, I also cheer for Ohio State. I, I was at the horseshoe last year for Ohio State, Wisconsin, and I fell in love. Like, that stadium is incredible. It's right in the heart of campus. You have to walk through all of campus to get there. So you're going through, like, all of the, you know, all of the, the student housing and stuff. I love everything about Ohio State. I hated Ohio State before that game. I spent a weekend in Columbus, and they are now near and dear to my heart. I don't think they're a closet team. I'm very public on Twitter about my love for Ohio State. Um, so I don't think that they fit for this specific question. But I do have an affinity for Ohio State. I think most schools, like, if the fans are halfway decent – which like their schools that I used to, like I used to, you know, kind of be like, Oh, I like app state. Yes. They have their, like, you know, they knocked off Michigan. I think most college football fans are pretty like neutral towards app state, but then you start spending some time and their fans are so obnoxious and so horrible. It's like, I hate, I don't like app state now. Like the only thing good about that program yeah. is that they have a beautiful stadium tucked in the mountains, but they. And Luke uh, Holmes. I right. like a Luke. I like Luke Combs. He's an App State fan. Yep, that is true. Um, but it's I think most schools like you get on campus, you see the campus, you go to a game day experience, you have a halfway decent experience with their fans, whatever. You're like, you know what? I like this place. Like it's you know deep down, it's just like we like watching college football. We like the atmosphere. If you go to a game at the school, you probably do it. Like I bought a TCU shirt on Saturday. Never like I've never really been the kind. Like I've never really understood like the people like BYU fans that like hate Boise or hate TCU. Cause it's like, whatever, like TCU, it's like they peaked at the right time and they got their golden ticket, whatever. Like it's, you know, any hatred that BYU have 
fans have towards TCU is purely out of jealousy, right? So that like that's not me, right? Like I've never been wronged by TCU. You know, I was wrong by the refs in 2005 when they called a fumble a touchdown yep. short of the goal line. But they, you know, it's whatever. So it's like, you know, they have a pretty campus. They, you know, they have a pretty campus. Game day, it was all things considered, it was a good game. Whatever, their, you know, s- staff is amicable towards the church. So, like, it's, you know, I don't mind TCU. But it's, so I think it's, I think if you go to a game in person, most of the time you will be won over by that school. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, um, we won't get to go to a game in person this week. BYU still not allowing fans in the stadium, which is a bummer. Um, you know, I, I, watched, I watched all 13 innings of the Braves game today. Plus zero, game. zero game until the bottom of the 13th. And there were no fans. I think there were select, like, family members of fans that were in the stadium for the game but it, it, in Atlanta at their new stadium at Truist Park they have what they call the battery and basically you have to walk through it, it kind of looks like the gateway or maybe like City Creek in Salt Lake City that they have like this mall full of stores and restaurants and businesses and other things that they've built that you walk through like leading up to the stadium and so the stadium was closed to fans. There was a handful of family members is all, and then like Braves employees. But outside of the stadium, in the battery, is like I say what it's called, it was crowded. Like they were having watch parties at the battery that were like being, I guess, sponsored by presumably these businesses or maybe even the Braves themselves. There was no social distancing. There was no masks. And so I, I was a little frustrated that the Braves fans had to just watch the game like from the gates, right? I thought it was I thought it was ludicrous. I think we're going to see something similar this week. I don't think that there's going to be necessarily people at the gates of Lavelle Edwards Stadium saying "Let me in," but I think fans are frustrated. And I it's a see Friday night. Just go park outside, like yeah. listening to the game, watch streaming it on their phone, and getting a megaphone and just like cheering every time something good happens. Yeah. I, I think it could happen. I really think it could happen. And here is why I'm almost encouraging that. Like, look, I've been a guy, I, I'm pretty cautious with the COVID stuff. Uh, I don't know if I've made that clear, but, you know, uh, I, I think that the hypocrisy of, of the how some people are interpreting all of the COVID stuff is, is psycho. But I do, I'm pretty cautious myself. Um, so I get it. Like, I'm not going to encourage anybody to go and, like, break all of the protocols. That's not what this is about. But I almost want to, when it comes to this BYU-Louisiana Tech game and the attendance, my sister runs a nail salon. There was a nail convention in Provo last week that was open. Like, people were able to go. My sister went to a convention, and when she said that, in my head, I thought, no, because Provo is on, like, like – People are doing Zoom, like, virtual yeah, stuff. Like, I thought you log maybe in and this, watch a webinar. Right. Maybe it's, like, a uh, – there's a few people at a house, and they're, like, meeting inside of a – no. Like, it was in an expo center. There were booths that were set up. They tried to enforce some, some, you know, social distancing protocols or whatever, and they required masks and all that stuff. But this was an indoor – convention the provo nail convention or something like that why on earth does the city of provo allow that to happen but 
socially distanced fans sitting in an outdoor stadium cannot happen three blocks away. It's, you know, I think it is Governor Herbert is upset about some changes that were made to the BYU coaching staff. I think that's the answer. I mean, there's got to be. It's like some sort of a vendetta there that he's upset. He is mad that his son-in-law got fired twice. Well, wasn't he wasn't good. Uh, That's true. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's clear, right? (laughs) But, you know, I, yeah, I don't, it's the, the lack of consistency, I think is what is the most frustrating thing to people that there's no rhyme or reason. And it's kind of like, well, we think this, we'll do this, whatever. And it's just like, you know, come up with a clear standard. You hit the standard or you don't like, it's not. Yeah. Well, and it's like, okay, a BYU football game is public. Like people care about the BYU football game. And it feels like that's the reason that the government has said, oh, okay, no fans there, because that's where we're looking. But the Provo Nail Convention, you didn't know that that existed. I didn't know. I wouldn't have never known unless my sister, you know, didn't tell me about it. That happened. So either the city of Provo had no idea, and that should be an indictment on whoever is in charge of anything well, over If there. it was at the convention, the Utah County Convention Center on Center Street, then they had to know because that is owned by the city of Provo. So I'm going to look this up. Provo Nail, maybe it was called the Provo Nail X. I can't remember. Provo Nail Convention. You better, I filibustered for you earlier. So the, I'm curious of what gun show expo is going to have their billboard go up now that the, now that the nail expo is done. Um, it's crazy. Okay, now I hear Utah Nail Expo. I think that's like an actual nail. This is, this is way off. I, I, even yeah, for yeah, us. September 26th, Provo, Utah. Yeah. Even Ooh. for us, this is a tangent. Like this might be, we're, we're sitting here talking about the nail expo. We haven't even talked about Louisiana tech yet. This no, is a we're tangent. We're going to get there. You know, we will get, get there. there. It's actually, it's our next thing on that. I just want to know where they held this thing. Uh, you know, you know what? I think that my sister sent me the expo information. Here we go. Helps if I click on the links. Yep. Utah mm-hmm. Valley convention center, 220 West center street, Provo, Utah. So yeah, I don't, I don't understand. Black bag is given to the first 300 people only. I don't understand. I don't either. Come on. Like we we're going to ask, I'm going to raise some questions about this. I don't even live in Utah, but that angers me. So, you know, if you want to go park outside, what are they going to do? They can't make you go away. Why don't you just sit no. in your car? Honk your horn. Honk. Something, yeah. Honk your horn every time something good happens. That'd be fun. But Louisiana Tech, we, they're oddly similar to Troy, right? Like we talked about, it's like they have some athletes of receiver that could test BYU. Their O-line is not good at all. So they, you know, that's going to not really cause some problems. If you have a in your top five pass blockers, when you're trying to be a pass heavy team, you have a guard, a guard, a backup guard, your running back and a center, two more running backs before a, a second backup guard, a tight end and receivers before you even get to the tackles, you're going to have. Yeah. Some it's, it's not good, man. If you look at, and again, we're citing stats, stats from our friends at pro football focus if you look at their pass blocking on players who have 20 or more snaps in a pass blocking situation, 
there's not very many. I guess 20 more snaps, period. You've got Joshua Moat is, is one of their starting guards, and he's solid. He, he's played you know every snap this year, and he's been good. Uh, then you get to their other guard on the other side, who's been average, Abraham Delphin. He's been average. The next person with 20 reps or more is a wide receiver, C.J. Powell. That's concerning, right? If you have a wide receiver who's had a significant amount of reps and he has graded higher than your center or either one of your tackles in pass protection across 27 reps is what he has, that's, that's concerning. Um, their next two tackles. They must run uh, a lot of bubble screens if they got a receiver even period who's got 26 pass blocking opportunities. Yeah, and I think that they do, right? I think that they're kind of that spread offense that they, they're they not going to run. I mean, they do run the ball. They actually have some pretty good running backs, but that they, they are going to utilize the screen game as like an additional run, right? Like easy to complete passes. That's a big part of their um, of their offense. I look at the rest of you, those tackles, like their pass blocking grades, Donovan Campbell and Anton Lewis, they struggle. Like this should be a game, especially with Kyrus Tonga on the inside, that's going to command a double team on every play. This is the kind of game that we should hear a lot of Zach Dawes name. Um, I think he's going to have a field day. I think Peyton Wilgar has he's done well, you know, kind of I, I love the way that they've used Wilgar this year. He's played a little bit more of that hybrid role, kind of like what you saw from a Kyle Van Noy back in the day. Right. That, like he'll play coverage, he'll play linebacker, but he's up at the line of scrimmage like a stand-up D end a lot. I think you'll see Wilgar get some sacks. I I, I just don't see a way that he BYU is used, not able to get pressure. He was used so well and I um, Blair Red pointed this out on our board in his film review article um, on Cougar Sports Insider this week that you know they did a lot of things with Wilgar where he looked like he was a stand-up you know he was kind of playing as a, in a stand-up kind of edge position but you know was really masking and like following the tight end and really like he was doing good things and like they used him creatively of he wasn't rushing but he ate up a couple blockers because he looked like he was going to, and then they were able to get someone engaged for half a step, and that frees things up to where Kyrus can get a clean rush inside or Zach Daw doesn't mm-hmm. have a guard and a tackle on him because they think a linebacker is coming. Like They used him in ways where he did just enough, and he's fast enough to recover where he can sell that a bit longer than you normally would where it's like, okay, yeah, you're at the, you know, a lot of times you see a linebacker at the line of scrimmage and then they bail as soon as the line, the ball is snapped and doesn't really fool anybody. Right. Like it's, but he's able to play down on the line of scrimmage, just that half a step longer makes right. a huge difference. And so um, I think, you know, we're going to see it's, we're going to see basically the defense in the front seven is going to be more or less what it was last week in terms of what they do what kind of production we're going to get out of them and what we see. And, you know, offensively, they do have, you know, they do have a couple good receivers. They have some good receivers. Um, They have one of my favorite names that BYU's ever played. They have a receiver, number five, Smoke Harris. That's all-time name. And he is their second most targeted receiver, too. He can play. He can play. Smoke Harris is a weapon. I... I hope that he runs like a four one. 
like just something unbelievable because if your first name is smoke uh that should be a requirement smoke harris he's one of their big wide receivers i think his first name is devon which Um, makes it a little bit less exciting by big you mean big in production because smoke harris is listed at yeah he's 184 yes thank you thank you for clarifying that but Smoke Harris, even at 5'5", five, five, I mean, he had a handful of scholarship offers. Nobody huge. Uh, Memphis, San Diego State, Tulane. Uh, ended up signing with Louisiana Tech. But this was a, a highly recruited guy. Uh, I mean, especially for a school like Louisiana Tech. Like, this is a highly recruited guy. 24-7 sports, we had him as an 85 out of high school. Um, so that's, you know, right in the heart of where most of BYU's receivers are. His real name is Devon. I'm glad he goes by Smoke because Smoke is much more, in, you know, intimidating. But he can play. Like, he he can play. He gets a lot of attention. Um, I think that BYU, that's a tough cover. So, I'm looking at his huddle right now. And, you know, how like – every huddle video they have like the slide in thing with like the little title slide thing. Yeah. So instead of it being his name, his position or whatever, like what class he's in, it just says too much sauce. Smoke. I love baby. it. I love it. Oh so man. Let's, I'm, I want to see how fast is smoke Harris. Dude. He is tiny. Okay. So let's see. Oh, he played a little defense in high school. So he, there's a punch. He's- that's a he punt says return. he runs a 4-4 in high school. Yeah, that's a punt return, but the other team's punter snapper must be really bad because the punter is only eight yards deep. <laughs> anyway, Devon, uh, Devon Smoke Harris, that's the guy to watch. You're going to hear his name a lot. Adrian Hardy is another one at the wide receiver position. He's the most targeted wide receiver. And then Griffin uh, Hebert, I've watched Griffin Hebert. He's a big number 80, kind of plays. I'm actually a little bit surprised that he's listed as a tight end. When I, when, or, sorry, is when he, that he's listed as a receiver. He kind of played like, a tight end a little bit he's not a big you know matt bushman 250 pound type tight end he's more like a johnny harleen size tight end well kind of i mean a lot like lane lunt like a lot of byu fans have been asking who the heck lane lunt is and lane lunt is listed behind isaac rex as byu's second string tight end this year uh lane plays i think at about 230 pounds and that's kind of what i see out of hebert a little bit um so there's there's some weapons that BYU is going to have to account for. Um, I think it'll be a test. I think this will be the biggest test for BYU secondary. Now, obviously, we've talked about the front seven. I think BYU's front seven should have their way with this Louisiana Tech offensive line. So if they can dominate and control the line of scrimmage, then obviously it's going to be really difficult for their passing game to get going. But if that passing game, if that offensive line is able to hold up enough that they have a little bit of time in the pocket, that these receivers have a little bit of time to get open, they're athletic enough that it's going to give BYU some headaches. Uh, BYU secondary is unproven. We still don't really know. I mean, Chris Wilcox started and played, but he's still not the Chris Wilcox that we know. Uh, Micah Harper, Harper played really well in his first game, but it's his first game, right? I mean, he's still only in his second game as a true freshman. Those are probably your two starting cornerbacks, and there's plenty of question marks with those two. So BYU will be tested if the front seven can't get pressure on the quarterback. It, 
Yeah, and like you said, the key of that is the pressure because if you're getting consistent pressure on the quarterback and they're not comfortable, then everything else goes out the window. Um, and it's, you know, the quarterback situation, it's not – they do have Luke Anthony is starting quarterback. It's like he is a senior, um, but he, you know, didn't like, – he's been – this is his third year, like, as a starter – but he is a graduate transfer and played at FCS Ablin Christian the last two years. Yeah. So he had good numbers and, you know, played all right, you know, playing in an FCS program, but he, you know, coming in, it's, he is not, you know, he doesn't have a ton of experience at the FBS level. And this is going to be, you know, in the games that they've played this year, you know, their first two games were against Houston Baptist and Southern Miss. So he didn't play good against Southern Miss played well against in FCS school. Um, but he, you know, their defense is bad, right? Like they, they managed to squeak out a win 31 30 against Southern Miss, but then they gave up a ton of points to an FCS school. They, it's, their defense is great. Their quarterback is not un, like is doubt, not doubtful. Cause that sounds like he's hurt. It's like their quarterback is in doubt in terms of what kind of production you're going to get from them. So it's, they're very similar to Troy, I would say. They do have Milton Williams on defense, defensive end. I really, really like him. Um, he started to come onto the scene last year. I think he had, uh, what did he finish the season with? Five or six sacks is all, but he started to come on strong of late. He's really quick off the line of scrimmage. Uh, I think BYU's offensive line is going to be okay, right? I'm not like worried about Milton Williams taking over the game and totally disrupting what BYU does. But I am excited to see the matchup. I would imagine that Williams, he could line up on either side, but I'd imagine that they probably put him across from Blake Freeland or Harris Lachance on the right side. Um, I'm anxious to see that battle. I think it's going to be a battle to watch both Lachance and Freeland. Freeland obviously has more experience than Lachance, but both played. They rotated in throughout the game against Troy. I would expect to see the same thing this week, that those two will rotate at uh, at right tackle. And neither one of them have a ton of experience. And, and Williams is a little bit of a different defensive end than what I think they're used to playing against because of his quickness. He's about 270 pounds now, but he's quick. Uh, he's got really strong hands. That's that's going to be a fun matchup to watch. Uh, he's good against the run. He's effective in the pass rush. Milton Williams is my player to watch for Louisiana Tech on defense. Everybody else, eh? But Milton Williams can. He he's going to make some noise, and uh, he could give those right tackles a headache throughout the game. And he's their best player across the board on their defense, and is a legitimately he is a potential NFL prospect. Um, he's got the size. He's not super, <coughs> um, sorry. He's not super fast. Um, you know, like he's not going to be, you know, a Bosa coming off the edge rusher, but he is a legitimate NFL prospect and puts up very good numbers. It is very consistent across the board. And if you look like there's all of his numbers are good across the board, um, coming from that D line spot. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and he's going to go against an, an experienced right tackle. Um, all things considered, you know, I expect BYU to win this game and to win it pretty pretty easily. Uh, I think Louisiana Tech is a, a lot like Troy. I think you're right on the head. And I, 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 I hope that this team is not 
overconfident, right? Like Louisiana Tech and Troy, they, they, they have enough talent that they can beat some really good teams. If, if BYU and Louisiana Tech play 100 times, BYU will win 99 of those games. But that one game, like they're talented enough that if BYU comes out, they overlook them and they don't execute well, Louisiana Tech can win. They have enough weapons that they can win. BYU should win. They should win by 30 points. I think the spread is currently at 24. I mean, BYU should win by three or four scores. Um, but if they're not executing well, if they're drinking the poison, like Coach Mateo says, if they think they could just show up and beat this Bulldog team, Louisiana Tech uh, will beat BYU. So, Dude, they're scrappy. I mean, I, I drove through Ruston, Louisiana. There's, they'll harden you up living down there. They can come up and shock some people. I love it. I love that you just spent an entire week driving through the South. You know, I've seen it all. It's, there's some places that I would not want to live. But then there's some, there's a lot of places on there. You're like, eh, you know, this might not be so bad. You know, it's, <laughs> I think you, you, you give me enough money. I can, I can live pretty much anywhere. It's yeah, like, if I can get, uh, you know, if I can get some Dr. Pepper and a halfway decent thing of ice cream, and have access to a good butcher, I'll be happy pretty much anywhere. And you could absolutely have access to a good butcher in the South. Oh, very much so. You might Maybe have... not a great restaurant, but they will have a good butcher. Well, it depends on great. What are you talking about? Like, there's barbecue places on every corner. That is well, great food true. to me. Like, I can get soul food, like, left and right. It doesn't matter. You know, if you're talking about, like, some fine French or Italian cooking, no, you won't find that. But I don't care about that. That's not me. Right? Like, so... With what I, with what I need, I I could live pretty much anywhere. The South was a great place to live. I really enjoyed it. It's just being on an island to where you start you start having kids and think like, okay, our vacation budget is going to go to seeing each of our families once a year, and we're not actually going to get a vacation. That's not very fun. Yeah. If you guys are noticing a peppier Garrett this week, it's because Garrett is uh, he's living that Pacific time zone life. The night is young. For Garrett, as, as of this recording, I'm the one who's tired. Garrett is lively. He's got energy. And I think that you guys are going to enjoy Awake Garrett. Instead of recording at midnight, he's recording at 9 o'clock. It feels very different for him. It, it really does. I mean, I'm, I'm a bit of a night owl, but it's still, yeah, this is a little little different. And so, I mean, I guess we're behind because normally we'd be out. We'd have this out by now, right? Like, oh, yeah. You know, it's because now we're pushing 1 a.m. Eastern. Like, we'd have it out by now, and somehow, you know, I'd go to – somehow I push it, and then I check on the Anchor app, and it's like, before I even go to bed, we got 50 listeners. So I don't know who of you are, like, getting push notifications as soon as we go live, but you're our most dedicated fans. If that's you, where, like, oh, yeah. you're listening to this on Thursday nights before you go to bed, like, let us know. You're our dedicated fans. Yeah, they. We should. we should find a way to highlight you somehow. Uh, the last thing I really want to talk about about this game uh, is the COVID absences. Everybody's been asking on our board. Everybody's asking about it on Twitter. Like, look, that news changes so quickly that even if I had information, and I really don't, but even if I had information about who was supposedly sitting out, who's in isolation, who's tested positive, all that stuff changes by tomorrow, that it would be irresponsible to even talk about that. If we want to talk about other injuries, right, like Sione Finau, I wouldn't be surprised to see Sione Finau play this week. Um, I, I think that we can talk about 
other injuries with a level of confidence that we can't talk about when it comes to COVID because, I mean, it's like Isaiah Kafusi, right? Isaiah Kafusi, if you would have asked him on Friday afternoon last week, he was not playing. But then on Saturday morning, test results came back, or Friday night, test results come back, and he's able to play. So COVID, it all changes so fast that the news that we would report today or the rumors that we would report today, uh, they would not be accurate by the time a lot of you are listening to this show. So, so it's, it's hard to speculate too much on that. With like in Isaiah Kafusi's case, is that, I don't even know, because I know conferences, they've set up their own standards of what they're doing, whatever, but is it, you know, we're saying we'll go by whatever conference your conference wants, or is it, I think it's probably part of the game contract of what they are agreeing to or what is, because I don't know, like if you get test positive, then it's like, if you test positive, but then it's like 10 days from when you tested positive and you're not having symptoms anymore, then they consider you like, hey, you're over it and you're good. But it's like, if you don't test positive, like you get it, then it's like you have other things with like the 14 day window and exposure and it's like quarantine more. So I haven't heard or seen anything definitive about like what gets you out of that, right? Like if you, you know, it's like, okay, I understand. Well, which, what should have happened, what should happen is like, hey, if you do like the rapid test, which is more sensitive, it's like that's positive, but then you follow it up with like the less sensitive, like more definitive test that's more accurate, but that says it's negative. And then the next day you have another negative test. It's like, okay, like, you know, you're good. It was a false positive, whatever. Like, are there things in place of what is considered a false positive and how you can throw it out the way the NFL has? Is it the, you know, is it, you know, it's been 10 days and he tested negative. So we're going to call it good no matter what. Like, is it Troy said, yeah, we're fine with him. Like, I haven't heard anything definitive about that, but I think the most ridiculous thing that I'm reminded of this last weekend, Charlotte was supposed to play Georgia state in their first game against each other. They'd ever played before, whatever. They canceled the game on Friday because they Georgia state said, we had a bunch of guys test positive today. We don't like contact tracing, whatever on Friday, the day before the game. Come Sunday, the lab that processed the Georgia State test said, we mis- misinterpreted the results. There were actually no positive tests. You guys could have played. So dumb. And that's and the I, second I've week heard. in a row that that happened because Charlotte had to cancel the week before. And I don't know how this happened. They were supposed to play UNC. They had to cancel the week before because a few players had the rapid test. Like, that's very sensitive. Um like way oversensitive the rapid test said a few guys were positive so it took out the entire o-line but then when they followed that up with the actual like ran the thing up your nose real test they were all negative but then because of whatever on the contract or whatever acc's rules are they had to cancel that game yeah i think it depends on 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 each game because i do think that it is dependent or it's uh dictated in that game contract so I think there's a lot of variables there that it could vary for, for BYU where they're not, you know, the big power five conference that, or the school from the big power five conference that's going to be able to throw their weight around no matter who they play. I think that uh, it probably varies week to week for them. Um, it's a mess. I mean, that's, that's a mess. And that's why I really don't want to spend a ton of time like covering right. it, reporting the rumors because it, it really is so volatile that it could be it could all change tomorrow right so it's tough to it's tough to really 
don't know. Stuff don't to really us. focus. You'll on. know when we know because it literally is sometimes getting figured out on Saturday morning or the you know game day morning. So right, we could hear things tomorrow afternoon, but they're gonna te- ever both teams are gonna test tomorrow. They're gonna get the results back on Friday. We'll know at like noon on Friday who's gonna play, and we'll find out at the same time you do. Um, so with closing out this episode, we've got a few lines. So we got BYU minus twenty four. Are the Cougars going to cover on Friday? Um, I mean, I think so, but I'd still – that's a ton of points. I'd still take the 24 points just because the gambler in me says that's way too many points. Yeah, I don't – anything over 20, I don't, I don't like. It's just it's too – even anything over like 17, is, I feel like it's pushing it. You're just begging for – you're betting for a bad beat on a backdoor cover. Right. Um, South Carolina – Plus 18 at Florida. Uh, Kyle Trask at Florida looked like a Heisman winner. I know I just said I don't like anything over 17, but I'm taking Florida minus 18 here. Yeah, South Carolina struggled with Tennessee, and uh, I know Tennessee's ranked and everybody's back on the Tennessee hype train, but it's the same Tennessee team that BYU beat, and South Carolina, uh, they struggled. They lost. Uh, So, yeah, I'm with you on that one. Uh, Florida wins by – 25 points it is still so random to me that kyle trask was Derek king's backup in high school that whole storyline is bizarre to me that is weird and now they're like how he literally florida was his only offer because he was a backup but he went to their camp and their coach was like dude no this kid's good trust us he can play and started like one game his entire high school career but somehow ended up at florida and last year when he, you know, felipe franks gets hurt and they throw him in there like dude this kid can't even throw the ball 25 yards it's going to be so bad it's like Wait a minute, Kyle Driver's actually good. <laughs> he's the he's the Matt Castle of today's day and at day and age. That Matt Castle back up at USC and ends up being Tom Brady's backup for the Patriots and played well. Like after Tom Brady gets hurt one year, Matt Castle plays well enough that he secured himself a, a big contract. I mean, not like a mega contract, but a he's decent sized contract. I think the. Chiefs used a franchise tag on him once. Yeah, I mean, he made a decent amount of money in the NFL, and really it was a product of being really good, never really playing until one year in the NFL, and then he capitalized on it. Matt Castle's career earnings in the NFL, $65.5 million. Wow. Matt Castle, you are our new Hellene of the week. Skip the memes. (laughs) You and who's that guy that played like one game for the uh, Matt Flynn, who – Played one game oh, for the yeah. Packers, got yeah. signed by the Seahawks, got beat out by Russell Wilson, then gets traded to the Raiders the same offseason for a fifth-round draft pick, gets beat out by Derek Carr, and made like $15 million to end up back as Aaron Rodgers' backup the following season. Like, that, I mean, he only made $19 million in his career only. I guess, you know, only whatever. But, yeah, Matt Castle, well done, sir. I mean, could we also throw Ty Detmer into this world? He, like, he had an – I don't know how long it was. but I, And he played, obviously, a different era before the money really started to roll in. But he made a hefty amount of money and never really had to be the guy. Right. He lost all that money later on in a tragic, tragic turn of events. But he made a bunch of money in the NFL. Um. Matt Castle made more 
three and a half times the amount of money in his NFL career that Matt Leinart did. So that's that's Matt Castle, man. He is the Elliot of the week. He's that's almost Bobby Bonilla territory. Yeah, he is the of he's the Bobby Bonilla of quarterbacks. Um, that's awesome. Good for him. The okay, so we have Virginia, the Fighting Men in Halls, plus twenty eight at Clemson. Uh, I'm going to bet with my heart on this one and I really am tired. I have nothing but good things really about Bronco, but the love affair that even five years later that some fans have with him makes me want to see him fail. And it's heartbreaking for me because I like Bronco. I like that staff. I think they're great guys, but it's, it's like we didn't fire him. He dumped us. Yeah, it's like people think that BYU fired him. He left, and he had been trying to leave. Now, we could say that fans were the reason that he left, and that's fine. Like, that could be true or not. I don't care. But the fact remains, Bronco left BYU on his own accord, and he had been trying to leave for a couple of years. He had almost gone to UCLA. He, Gary Anderson swooped the Oregon State job out from under Bronco. He did. He snaked that job like Satan himself. And, you know, Bronco, he already had one foot out the door. It is what it is. He ran his course. You know, we all jump jobs every couple years. Which is fine. Go get get that bread, right? Yeah, and I don't don't care. With him. Yes. It isn't the fact that Bronco left that bothers me. I don't care. It's the fact that some people can't concede that Bronco's gone. Like some people's hatred of Kalani and this staff is so great that we can't get over Bronco. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's nuts. It's been five years. And yet I still see people talking about, well, when Bronco, this and that, and this and that. So because of that, I'm taking Clemson. I hope Clemson wins by 45 points because the only way that this love affair with Bronco men and hall will fizzle is if Bronco fails. And that's sad because I like Bronco, but that's what I have to cheer for now. Uh, yeah, I think Clemson. I don't know about this game. This is a. I would not touch this game because sometimes, like Virginia, like those men in hall defenses show up and give them a team, and then sometimes they just show up and get like. And this is the kind of game where it's you literally have no idea what to expect out of a Bronco team. Yeah. So if it's anything like the ACC championship game last year, mm-hmm. then you know it's not going to be pretty. Um. I don't know that Virginia has enough to score. I think Broncos teams or Broncos defense is going to be great, right? Like, and I think that they can slow down Clemson, but slowing down Clemson means holding them under 40. And I don't know that Virginia has the hogs this year on offense to score 30 points. Yeah. I am more concerned about Robert and I versus the Clemson defense yeah, versus yeah. Brett Venables. Like, there's... yeah, it's like a knife versus Venables. Like, that's, yeah, I wouldn't touch. And at that the end one. of the day, NFL quarterbacks smoked Broncos defenses, like yeah. Christian Ponder, right? Andy Dalton. Like, go back. Go, and the quarterbacks who made it to the league, they torched BYU. You know, I've been saying I don't like things. Oh, first, I said seventeen. First, I said twenty. Then I said no, actually seventeen. And now you've talked me into. Brother Swinney is going to take Clemson. And last time they played, Clemson won 62-17. to 17, And I don't see any reason that that would change because Virginia lost everybody. They lost everyone on their offense, and their offense struggled against them last year. Yeah. 
Oklahoma minus seven at Iowa State. Oklahoma will cover this. They are going to come after blowing last week. They they are going to come. I watched Iowa State play in person. They were okay. They are not great. Like Oklahoma will come back with a vengeance purely because they were not focused. Like they're going to be pissed off about how last week ended and go, which I heard saw. I don't know if you listen to the solid verbal, but on their reverb, like Sunday episode where they have, they have like a voicemail thing that like listeners can call in and leave stuff. Some guy said that he put $1 on a parlay of all money line of Kansas state over Oklahoma, Mississippi state over LSU and Texas Tech over Texas. Uh, he would have got – if Texas Tech wouldn't have blown a 15-point lead in the last three minutes of the game, this dude would have turned $1 into 630 <laughs> That's funny. My dad, speaking of wild parlays, my dad put $100 and just picked the winner of the World Series, the Super Bowl, the NCAA championship, the college football playoff, you know, all of the major champions. And he picked a couple of, like – uh, not quite underdogs, but like not the favorites. Like Duke is not going to be the favorite in the NCAA tournament this year. Um, and anyway, there's seven or eight of them. He put a hundred dollars on it. If he hits it, it's twenty six million dollars. Is the play is the payout? So uh, at first, I thought, Dad, that's stupid. You're never going to hit that. But then he said, if you have an opportunity to take a hundred dollars and turn it into twenty six million. Wouldn't you take that no matter what? The worst thing that happens is you lose a hundred bucks. The best thing that happens is you make $26 million. The problem is people become degenerate gamblers because they keep telling That's themselves true. that every time. So if you keep in check, like, I mean, I actually talked to my first boss when I finished school, we were talking about this and like gambling, whatever, and like how the church feels about gambling. And he was like, honestly, with sports gambling, he's like, if you can come with a good enough model that you, like you can backtest your model. You can say, hey, this would have been profitable. He said, how different is that than investing in a startup, like a seed round in a startup? You're probably more likely to get your money back gambling if you have a back, like you built a model and you can test it and you're not just throwing things out like, you know, shooting from the hip the way we do. You know, I was like, yeah, that's yeah. probably actually a good point. Um, so I, I don't know in this homework. game. I think, I think Spencer Rattler... I'm just not sold yet. I, you know, Lincoln Riley is being lauded as this offensive God. And I think that he's great, but he's had Baker Mayfield, number one overall pick. He's had Kyler Murray, number one overall pick. And he's had Jalen Hurts last year who went, you know, I think second round is where he ended up going. He's had three NFL quarterbacks as seniors right. over his tenure so far. I don't know what to expect from, Brock, or excuse me, from Spencer Rattler. Iowa State has Brock Purdy. I've been disappointed in Purdy so far. I'd probably stay away from this game, but I think I take Iowa State in the points. My gut says you're right, but my brain says Purdy plays well because Oklahoma can't defend anybody. I'm taking Iowa State. I don't think Iowa State can defend anybody either. And we'll talk about that in the next couple games. But, okay, we do have Navy minus seven at Air Force. I dude, I would not touch this one because Navy was Navy. We played them, then somehow they came back and beat Tulane. But then Air Force, who knows what's happening? Like they've apparently been practicing for like the last month. Like I don't know. Maybe I don't know either. I take Navy because they played, but who knows? Yeah, 
maybe they kind of put it together. They had that comeback, and they've had a couple of weeks where you're about to take Navy minus seven. TCU 11 and a half at Texas. So this game was so frustrating to be at in person because first their TCU's quarterback, when they were coming back and starting the COVID testing, they did a um, cardiogram on everybody. Check out their heart, whatever, COVID, myocarditis, all that. They found that their quarterback, Max Duggan, had a heart defect. So he oh sat out, and they thought he was going to miss the whole season. They did – he had heart A heart surgery. defect because of COVID or no, he had totally outside of it? He had an undiagnosed congenital heart defect. He's out. He got heart surgery to fix it. He got cleared to play last week. He ended up – so they – but he hadn't been practicing, whatever. Their other quarterback – their backup quarterback is a walk-on who just transferred from Georgia who walked on at Georgia, then transferred to TCU because his brother got hired as a graduate assistant at TCU. And they started him the first half. They're doing a bunch of things. Like they got new coordinates. Sonny Cumbie's in there as their offensive coordinator, doing like a bunch of air raid stuff, running sticks left and right, like a bunch of mesh, like doing a lot of good stuff. They struggle. People like, dude, bring in – like even Gary Patterson's wife tweeted during the game, was like, where's number 15? (laughs) And so they finally bring Max Duggan back in. And then they went away from that with their offensive game plan. Like it was working, but they just didn't have a quarterback with the arm to get the ball where it needed to go. And then as soon as they brought the quarterback with the arm in, they come be like completely went away. Like the complete, their play calling completely changed. It was bizarre to watch. And so depending on if they come out with a good game plan, I think TCU can cover this, but I still think Texas is going to do it. I'm taking Texas. Texas, yeah. they they got rolling the last three minutes. They they were a little bit surprised by Texas Tech, but uh, Sam Ellinger, man, don't bet against Sam Ellinger. Yeah, I think Texas. If TCU manages to cover this, it will still be a two score game. It won't be like less. They won't. It won't be close. Yeah, it'll, it'll be ten. Yeah, yep. and I think it could be. This game would end up being like. I think this game's gonna be like. Thirty-five twenty-four. Uh, that would actually be TCU covering. If TCU covers, it'll be in a 35-24 type game. Um, <laughs> okay. Last one. I know you put this on here for me. The Charlotte I 49ers, six-and-a-half-point underdogs at Florida Atlantic. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to take the 49ers on this one. I think they're – I am too. Will, Will Healy is a great coach. He's like Dabo Jr. And he's going to have old. them fired up. And uh, it's not just me. ESPN did a like five page long form article about it last season before they played Clemson. Um, wow. But he will have them fired up and focus because like they are mad that they blew their chance to knock off App State the game one of the season. And then their next two games got canceled and they are going to come back and want to do things. And FAU is just like, it's a mess to die. Like really, do we trust Willie Taggart to do anything? No, I'm going to take Charlotte as well. Let me tell you why. They actually opened as a one-point favorite, and the line has gone that far the other way in in the three days since the lines have been out. I'm going with the original line, that Charlotte's the favorite. So that's uh, that's the only reason. I don't know anything about either team, but I'm going to take the team that started as the favorite and is now a nearly touchdown underdog. So I agree with that, and I think I haven't heard – I need to check – on the uh, Charlotte quarterback situation. So against App, Charlotte's starting quarterback actually on the first play of the game hurt his throwing shoulder and then like separated his throwing shoulder and then managed to – he played the entire rest of the game. 
And so then they said against UNC he was going to be out and the backup, like, who was a JC transfer was going to play. But now I think it, that couple weeks off may actually give, you know, Chris Reynolds to come back, and that kid is a gamer. Like, you know, he's kind of – I'd say he's kind of like a Riley Nelson. He's smaller. doesn't have the greatest arm, but just scrappy. I like that. And so, I, I like Riley. I do. I actually re-listened to the game on my drive, the radio broadcast. And as a color, I, as a color guy, Riley is fantastic with Greg on the radio. And I agree with that. And I need to figure out a way of how do I get Rod Gilmore off my TV and get the radio synced up with the ESPN feed. If anyone yeah. knows how to do that well, you know, how off they are. Like, am I just going to have to like pause it and then try to hit play at the same time? Cause that won't work. Like, I don't know if there's a way to sync up radio and TV. Well, but if there is, please let me know so I can do it. So we're wrapping up this show. Uh, Want to take a couple of minutes. We tweeted out some five-star reviews. Let's just take a, a time. You know, we, we don't highlight these enough. We really do appreciate each of you who takes the time to leave a review to rate the show. It helps us out a bunch. Before we jump into the reviews, I do want to acknowledge the random Troy fan on a Troy message board that really recognized our brand and that they, they were looking for, I guess, a Troy scouting report and they stumbled upon last week's episode of give them hell Brigham and their official review, not official, but their uh, synopsis of the show on the Troy message board says through a lot of the blathering in the above podcast, one of the hosts says that he was told da, 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 but it's the blathering. You know, that is our brand. We are blathering the blathering BYU podcast. And I like that, you know, and this guy Trojan brother, Trojan warrior, he recognized that. And I think we need to, to give him, you know, a virtual fist bump for recognizing that, we're the blathering BYU podcast. A uh, few five-star reviews. Uh, one of them from Campbell Sito. Now I appreciate this. This is our friend, Kyle Campbell, who he initially had, I, I think he's already left a review and he deleted that review to give us a new review that was better. And this one is better. Maybe so, Apple wiped his Okay. Similar to how my Amazon reviews were wiped. Could be. Okay. That could be it too. Whatever the case may be a new review from Campbell Sito, the best podcast, or excuse me, the podcast version of the best of BYU Twitter, the give them hell Brigham podcast is the podcast version of the best parts of Twitter. Jeff Garrett provides some of the best BYU content and some great BYU content check relevant and interesting college athletics discussions, check hot takes and quotes that end up on the Utah 24 seven sports message boards, check inspirational stories in parentheses, hellions of the week, check, we make you laugh, make you cry, keep you informed, and keep you entertained. This show is appointment listening for me each week. Kyle's the man. Uh, his daughter was one of the original Hellions of the Week. She's still killing it in the football world. Thank you for the five-star review. Next one, AZ Rhett. I'm assuming that means Arizona. Uh, I. It's kind of like when you hear somebody's from Utah and, you know, or somebody hears that you're from Utah and they say, Oh, you're from Utah. Well, do you know so-and-so like there's not 4 million people in Utah, but Garrett, now that you're a resident of Arizona, I can only assume AZ Rhett is Arizona Rhett. I'm do guessing. you know AZ Rhett? I do not know AZ Rhett. I mean, I have a nephew named Rhett who used to live in Arizona, 
but I don't think that's Could him because be. he's like nine. So. Yeah, probably not. AZ Rat title is just enough sports. It's a fun distraction from reality. And just when you start wondering if this is a BYU sports podcast or not, they drop some nice BYU sports insight. That's also our brand. Like that is our, that is our, really our strategic plan is we want to make you think we don't care about BYU and then rope you in and make you realize that all we care about is BYU. And it's just this constant yo-yo with your emotions. That's our goal. That's what we try to do each and every week. And AZ Rhett, potentially your nine-year-old nephew, recognizes that. And I think that's a great – I think that means we're doing our job. And yeah. I, I'm appreciative of the review for, for highlighting that for us. And this next review, I, our last one, I appreciate that it was a five-star review. But the content of the review is a little, it's like, reads more like a three star. But it says, a sometimes <laughs> chunky smoothie. The podcast is great. All Kook, fat, all Kook fans come listen. Okay, five star, great. Now here we knock it down to four, maybe three. Transitions and tangents can be a little chunk that made you curious about how your smoothie was made and you did not not like it. Great work. That, that's a three star review with a five star rating attached to it. The rating well, is what matters. I will you know, I, I, I feel I can't help but feel like this is a, a personal attack on me, right? I, I am the one who struggles with transitions, and I'm also the one who gets us on a lot of the tangents, although maybe this new Pacific time zone Garrett is going to, to bring more tangents to the, to, the, to, the, to the game. Likely. But – so far, I think that's a little bit of a shot at me. And then also Chunky. And I have been described as Chunky many times in my life. This one hurts the least, but it's an adjective that I'm used to hearing. So I can't help but feel like this one was uh, a little bit of a personal dig, and that's fine. You know, if anybody wants to take personal shots at me, that's totally fine. Uh, I would appreciate if you do it by name so that I don't have to wonder if it's a personal shot at me. Uh, but I'm just going to assume that I am the chunky smoothie here, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, I can neither confirm nor deny that. <laughs> but it's it's been a good episode. We are now – sometimes these Friday night games are nice because you don't have to wait like that whole extra day till Saturday. It's just like, you know, it's kind of nice just that I'm, we're ready. I'm, I'm geared up. I'm ready tonight. You know, we're eating dinner. My almost two-year-old daughter – was asking if she could watch football with dad. And I said, not tonight, but I'm, we're watching baseball. And then she said, okay, I will watch baseball. She stood in front of the TV and watched the baseball game. But she said, I told her on Friday night we could watch, but she could stay up late so we could watch football together. And she got really excited before she went to bed. So it's, it's nice that it's one sleep closer. And it helps that, you know, Friday night games, the one thing I like about them is you still go to work on Friday. That helps get the, you know, those first several hours of the day out of the way. Um, I like to sit and watch all the football games all day long, but there's always this like prevailing thought on a late night Saturday game that I just, I want my game to get here. Right. But when you're forced to go to the eight to five, uh, that those hours go a lot faster. And then you really only have that, I want my game to get here feeling for like three or four hours. So I well, enjoy Yeah, that. and especially on a Friday, like you make it to noon and then you just check out and end up going yeah. too. And yep. you really, so it turns into like a half day anyway. So it's, I don't, I don't mind the Friday night games. It frees you up. It's an excuse and it's a good reason to take a half day off of work and then it frees you up for the, 
you know, frees up your Saturday to not be committed to anything. You can just enjoy all the games where you have no real vested interest in. You got it. That's exactly right. So Garrett, welcome to Arizona. Welcome to your new life in a new time zone. I guess welcome back to your old life in a new time zone. Uh, we're glad you're here. Give them hell this week because you're getting used to it. Dude, you give them hell, man.